Welcome to the 28 Dales Later podcast with me, Natalie Wilson. Together with Steve Wharton and a few other guest presenters that we've got lined up, we'll be embarking on a journey around the north of England, celebrating its landscape, nature and heritage. Today, I'm meeting up with photographer Henry Idden. Like myself, Henry's from Blackpool and I've been aware of his work for about 10 years now, first seeing his Spots of Time series set in the Lake District. Since then, I've seen a lot more of his work and it always really intrigues me. Just recently, Henry produced an interesting piece for the Reasons to be Cheerful project blending local history and identity with photography. And it prompted me to get in touch with him and ask him if he'd have a chat with me about his work. I guess one of my questions is, sort of, what is Blackpool to you, having lived there and, and shot so many images there? Uh, well, it's home, obviously, and it's where I'm from. It's where my family's from, so I'm what you would call sand-grown. Uh, you know, my family goes back there, a long, quite a long way. The thing I like about Blackpool is it, is it does what it, it says on the tin. It doesn't pretend to be anything it's not, you know. But, but equally, it's kind of multi-layered. You know, it's got it's got high art and beautiful buildings like the Grand Theatre, and it's you know it's got what might be what may be perceived as sort of tacky bars where you can go and get hammered, you know. So it's got it's got everything for everybody. You know, Blackpool is what it is. And is it is it choice then, or sort of happenstance, that you do a lot of photography projects around the northwest? It's largely through choice. I mean, I, I think it's you know a kind of practical thing, really. There's no great need to go, you know, running off to the Inca Trail when you've got amazing places on your doorstep, really. Um, yeah, it's easy to overlook what what is right in front of you. Where did the Spots of Time ideas come from? Because uh, I know that was a project in tandem with, was it the Wordsworth Trust and the National Trust? Just the Wordsworth Trust. Just the Wordsworth Trust. So I needed something that I could do, you know, in the northwest of England. And the lakes is somewhere that I've always had a connection with. It's where my mother grew, my mum grew up. And then I just became kind of fascinated with the fact that, you know, 12 or 15 million people a year visit the lakes. And everyone sees it in the same way, and everyone photographs it in the same way. And I don't, I don't know why, but then I suddenly thought, well, what about it at night? Like, nobody ever goes there at night, and nobody ever sees it at night. But, but being there at night is the nearest thing you would get to the kind of piece of tranquility of how, of how Wordsworth or whoever else would have experienced it 250 years ago when, when nobody went there. So it was this idea of kind of trying to experience the lakes as it would have been a few hundred years ago, really. And the only way you can get near to that nowadays, in a sense, is, is at night, as well as getting a slightly different kind of angle on it as well. Uh, and then it became apparent that there's an element of the kind of nighttime had a sort of layer of sort of romanticism to it, as, you know, heightened awareness and kind of so on and so forth. So, so through various elements of serendipity, I got linked up with the with the Wordsworth Trust, and it was the project was funded by Arts Council England. So I always shot around a full moon. And in terms of the technical process then, um, I mean, technically, 
what do you have to do? Because those photos are really stunning. There's great clarity uh, within the landscape, but also you get those pools of light. Yeah, I mean, they, they were shot with, at the time, what, what at the time was Nikon's flagship DSLR. And I didn't want to do super long exposure, so the stars were kind of striped in the sky. Uh, and working with a full moon, it's surprising how much light there actually is. So the exposures were about a minute and a half, two minutes long, maybe, at the most. It was like an otherness, to, like, you know, I deliberately wanted like an otherness to it and then a kind of ambiguity. Yeah, and I, yeah, now you've said that, I, I can really see what you mean when I think back to looking at those images, for sure. You only get a couple of nights a month with that full moon opportunity, so how long did that project take you? So it was, it was shot over 18 months, basically. So I became kind of obsessed with the weather because obviously I needed a clear, a clear sky where possible and, and, not, and not too windy. So, um, And if, of the projects that you've done, have you got a particular one that is your favourite? Uh, well, they've all got, yeah, I mean, they've all got, I'm a, they're all, they all show some affection or I'm affectionate to them all for different reasons I suppose or different or the certain images within certain series that I have, might have a memory of of when I took it or or what led to taking it possibly um, I mean the A Place to Go series that I've been shooting for about 10 years is something that I've put a lot of time and effort into and uh, I really like that work uh, but also that you know the images that featured on the Reasons to be Cheerful blogging in the annual that really surprised me that I did those walks around Blackpool and I didn't I didn't expect to find what I would find really either kind of visually or from a kind of his, historical point of view you know and it wasn't until I, until the, you know the folks at Reason to be Cheerful asked me to write a piece for the annual that I sort of sat down and thought about it more deeply really um, so yeah those those images kind of really surprised me that it was so kind of so local that you could come across that sort of thing, really. Which is why I kind of call that series Golden Miles, because people think of the Golden Mile as Blackpool's promenade, but it's that idea of the kind of Golden Miles in this sort of hinterland, and that idea of kind of uh, wealth or, or, or value, you know, gold being valuable. That kind of idea of the value being in the, in the background or in the hinterland, or, you know, and to look for value, you've maybe got to look a bit deeper sometimes than what might be on the outside or you know on the veneer yeah i would agree with that and i think these well probably this last year has probably resonated in that way with lots of people um that as our our immediate environment has become quite small just how much you can find and almost eke out of it could you tell me more about a place to go i find that a really difficult series of photos to look at uh because of the emotion and the the grief that, that yeah, yeah. is just underneath the surface. I, I think it's a beautiful piece of work, and for that reason, where did your idea for that come from? Uh, I'd been well. I'd, I'd done the I'd done the Lake District by moonlight, and then I did a series of shots of people in the Lake District that you meet at random, uh, called Hill People. And I'd been to um, a portfolio event in in Birmingham. And uh, I'd been chatting to a guy, I was chatting to a guy who had a series of um, photographs of roadkill (laughs) in America. (laughs) Yeah, it was, you know, sort of quite quite macabre. 
and um, and, and oddly, and that and that got me thinking about roadside memorials. You know, this idea of kind of bunches of flowers tied on lampposts because of you know a tragic accident or a you know, road accident. And so there was this idea that people kind of like memorialise sites, you know, where there's been a tragedy. And I was sort of aware that there's a lot of accidents in the mountains in Britain. And it was as though the mountain itself is the memorial to those people. And also, in line in a way with the spots of time work, this idea of the sublime. People often think sublime is all about beauty. But actually, sublime is about is, is the interplay of terror and beauty. It's that kind of connection of the two. And people go into the mountains in a way to, to get on that knife edge of looking at the beauty, but be, being in what can be a terrifying or awe-inspiring atmosphere. So this, this idea that the, the mountain landscapes kind of have, have both you know, the thrill of being, you know, on striding edge or whatever, you know, is exciting, but it's also kind of dangerous and terrifying. And that that has never really been, as far as I'm aware, looked at in, in a kind of photographic kind of visual way. Or So I, I started to think about this idea of, of um, yeah, shooting the play, poignant places in the British mountains where there'd been uh, fatal accidents. You know, photography is ubiquitous now, you know. Uh, We're all photographers, aren't we? We've yeah. all got our smartphones. I mean, who, who would have thought 20 years ago that you could take a photograph with a telephone? You know, <laughs> exactly. Cleaners, that you pulled out of your pocket. Pulled out of your pocket, exactly. <laughs> you know, so there's lots of people taking lots of photographs. So I, I try to try and come up with something new, really, particularly in an outdoor um, mountain or wilderness environment. And, and, or, you know, and try and bring threads together that create something that's new. And also have some of me in it, so it's a lived experience. So the, the place-to-go pictures are about poignant landscapes, they're about human beings, they're about human stories. So I use a 5.4 camera, which is a large format, cloth over your head, look on the piece of the glass screen behind... It's all very kind of hands-on and tactile, setting the camera up, putting the lens on. It involves a lot of kind of to and froing. Um, and then the prints that I've, I've made from that series, they're all hand prints. So there's a kind of human element to the whole process in that, pro, in that and that's deliberate because it's the, pr the project is about, you know, life and poignancy. So I want that idea of the kind of human connection to go right through the whole series, right to the final print. Well, thank you very much for That's talking right. no, to me, Henry. It's, uh, it's been really interesting. And I'm aware that we've been sharing thoughts around visual things through this audio medium of a podcast. And I kind of like that. And I'm hoping that if people have been intrigued uh, or their interest has been piqued around what they've heard us chatting about, uh, that they maybe go and take a little look at that work and they can find that at henryidden.com. Thanks again. It's been really illuminating. Thank you for listening to the 28 Dales Later podcast. You can also find our blogs and photographs on Facebook. Go to facebook.com slash 28 Dales Later.